was never done. It was tantamount to the son going to the father and saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because I want mine and I want it now. I don't care about being in your house. I don't care about, about your, your, well, I don't care about what you have done. I don't care about this house. I don't care about this family. I want my inheritance. I want it now. And I'm going to do what I want to. I don't care about you anymore. Next words that we see in Luke chapter 15, verse 13, you're reading along. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. Notice that he didn't leave immediately. It says that he left not long after. Why? Because he had to take his inheritance and he had to liquidate it. He had to get the monies together. He had to, he had to get everything together. He had to buy a, find a buyer for each item of his inheritance, his, his portion of the family jewels, his portion of the family livestock, his portion of the family land, and so forth. And, and so sell to were people in the village. And so as Jesus is telling the story, his listeners were imagining this young man, this brash young man going from door to door trying to convince the people, trying to convince the people who he knew, who his father knew, to buy a piece of the family property. When every person behind every door knew that this boy was insulting his dad, he was shaming his family. He was wishing that his patriarch was dead. So he is now has drawn the disgrace of the village. He is doing the unthinkable. He's selling off the property and the possessions. And as the scorn mounts, the son feels more and more pressure to leave. He feels more and more shame. He feels more and more guilt and he runs off and he takes what he has and he he goes to a faraway country and it's in this faraway country that this wayward son gradually begins to to live a life of sin to live a life of Embracing his passions and his flesh and his desires, whatever they were, he had the money to do whatever he wanted to do, whatever his passions and desires led him. He had the money and he indulged in everything he could. Imagine if you had all the money that you had and all the money that, that you needed and wanted and could imagine. Imagine someone you know that has all the money and wealth and resources they imagine, and they don't want to live for the Lord. They want to live and indulge in their flesh and their passions and their desires. They can do all manner of things. That's what he did. Text says that he squandered his wealth in wild living. He squandered his wealth in wild living. He was... He was doing all the things that wild living does. He's drinking and he's smoking and he's shooting up and he's snorting and he's sleeping around. And 
whatever he wants to. It says that he squandered his estate on foolish living, on wild living. He wasted it in plain sight of everyone. And so as Jesus is telling the story, these folks are thinking, well, now this guy is out of money. What's he going to do? Is he going to go home? And if he goes home, are the family, are, are, are the friends and the people in the town, are they going to welcome him? Are they going to accept him? Are they going to be like, you idiot? You had everything. You rejected your family. You've wasted your, the wealth. You have, you have, you have put to shame your, your whole name. You, we don't want you here. What is their response? And we'll think, see, and we'll get there. But listen, in verse 14 through 16, you've got your Bibles open. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck the country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. Now remember, this is a this is a, a, a story told from Jesus in the minds of the hearers. It's, it's a Jewish story. The p- pigs were unclean. He is working with pigs. He is he is not only has his life embraced wild and unclean living. He is now in the of an unclean pig pen in life. His physical reality is now caught up to his spiritual reality. Did you hear that? Eventually, your physical reality will catch up to your spiritual reality. for a job. He goes to work with these unclean, let me just back up. If you're living a life of sin, eventually your physical reality will match your spiritual reality. If you're living a life of peace and of hope and of, and of grace and in the mercy and, the law and, and, and in, in, the, in, in the spirit of God, eventually your physical reality will match up with your spiritual reality. There is an inheritance that we will all receive. There is a judgment that we will all receive. There is a reward that we will all receive. And our reward will match our spiritual reality. So he takes the job. He is living and working and in this pig pen. Verse 17, it says, when he came to his senses... He came to his senses. That's maybe that is your prayer this morning for someone you love, for a family member, for a friend, a neighbor. Lord, bring them to their senses. If it, if it means they have to live in a pig pen for a while to wake up, get them in the right pig pen. It's not an easy prayer to pray for our loved ones. says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. 
So he got up and went to his father, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran through his arms around his neck and kissed him. This man, this, this young man, this son knows that there is no life for him in this foreign land, but he also knows he can't go home or he feels like he can't go home because of shame and because of, of, of the, the insult that he has, he has given to his family. And he also knows that if he were to go home, those of, that he had sold all of his inheritance to would, would think he was, he was a loser and a failure and they would shame him. as a son, but maybe I could go back and live in the home as a servant. I mean, I've already wasted my inheritance. I've already received that as a son. I've squandered all my rights as a son, but maybe if I go back, I can just go back as a, as a hired worker. Maybe I can just go back as a, as a servant. So I'll go home and I'll admit that I was a I was a fool that I was that I that I made stupid decisions. And I'll just ask, instead of asking to be reinstated as a as a son, I'll just ask if if I could be hired as a servant, because I'd at least I'd rather be a servant in the house of my Lord than a son in the house of my father than a servant in the pig pen. There's two problems with the plan. First one is this, will his father really accept him after he has publicly humiliated, insulted, and shamed his father? And the second, what about the villagers? What about the people in the town? How will they receive him? He had disgraced them all. Add that, add to that the fact that he had lost all his money. Decides, I'm just going to have to risk it. I'm just going to have to go home. I'm going to face the shame and the ridicule of the village, of the people, of my community, and, and, and of my family. So to his father's house, he gets up and he goes. Verse 20 of chapter 15. So he got up and went to his father. So he got up and went to his father. This is where the father comes into full force in this story. The father, because of his experience, knows two things. First, he knows that his immature, impulsive son is bound to fail. You think that when the son went to the father and demanded his inheritance, that the father thought, yeah, you're going to do good stuff. You're, this is a good idea, son. His father knew he was going to make stupid choices. He had already made a big one. that he was going to do to talk his son out of being stupid. His son was going to have to be stupid for himself before he could come to his senses. The second thing the father knows is that the villagers, the community, was not going to treat him well when he came back. also knows that if the son ever does return, 
the first person who sees him will pass the word and the crowd will begin to gather and they'll mock him and they'll, they'll maybe even publicly shame him and humiliate him, maybe even spit on him. He knows that the son, in order to get home, will have to endure the scorn of the crowd with every step he takes through the village. The father knows all this, and so what he does in anticipation of the son's return is nothing short of amazing. When the son returns, the father does five things that would be considered outrageous in Middle Eastern society. The first thing is this, is the father song when God ran. It's an old 1980s Christian rock classic. Um, when God ran by Benny Hester. In the early 2000s, another band covered it called Shaded Red. They did. It says, the only time I ever saw chest and said, my son's come in. He looked in my face. He wiped the tears from my eyes. With forgiveness in his voice, he said, son, do you know I still love you? It caught me by surprise. God ran. The first thing the father does when he sees the son a long way off as he runs to him. He doesn't wait for the son to get close. He doesn't wait for the son to, to be near. He sees his son far off and he runs to him. Exposed. 
Aristotle said great men never run in public. The father runs. And in verse 20 it says, while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Compassion. saw him and was filled with compassion, he ran through his arms around his neck and kissed him. He was filled with compassion. That's how the father feels about his children. He is totally motivated by love for his wayward sons and daughters. As the father runs through the village, he knows he's creating a spectacle. He knows what he's doing. It's going to attract the crowd and there's going to be murmurings throughout this town and throughout the city. He knows that they're going to talk about his humiliation for the rest of his life, but he cares more about his son than he does his reputation. He cares more about his wayward children than he does his reputation. Imagine for a moment from the father, from, from the son's perspective, he knows that he, to get to his father, he has to go through the town and go into the town and that the town hates him and, and despises him. He knows that there's no way he can get to the father unless he endures the scorn. He knows that he's got to get to the father, not to be a son, but just to ask if he can be a servant. sets his face and he walks the last few miles toward the town. And sure enough, the first sighting of the, the outskirts of the village, the word starts spreading. People are starting to gather. He's about to endure the worst moments of his life. And as he comes to the edge of the village, he expects to see rocks and jeers and angry faces. Instead, what he sees, what he sees coming towards him is his father with his robe pulled up, exposing his ankles. And to his utter amazement, rather than experience the ruthless hostility he deserves for what he has done, he finds a visible demonstration of the love of his father. Words can't express what this scene conveys. You can only imagine it in his mind. The father runs to his son. The second thing the father does is to his, is he kisses his son. The text says he ran to his son, threw his arm around him and kissed him. He embraced him. this for a moment. They're embracing eye to eye, shoulder to shoulder. In his mind, the son had pictured himself coming home and, 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 and humbling himself and abasing himself. He had rehearsed the scene over and over in his mind. First, he, he kissed his father's hand. He kissed his father's feet. stand there with scorn towards his son. The father
this lofty, high-minded, judgmental attitude for condescension. The father doesn't stand there and hold out his hands and let him in. The father runs to the son, embraces the son, kisses the son. He's caught up in his father's arms. This Greek word here used to describe what the father does is the word kataphilu, which literally means to kiss again and again and again. It wasn't just a kiss on the cheek. It was, it was, an, it was an abundance of affection and love towards his son. A rejoicing. speech for his father. He says, I'll go to my father. I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. That's his plan. Admit his guilt, become a servant in his father's house. But I want you to look at the actual speech as the father is holding him. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. What's missing is your quest to become a servant. Is it missing? Because he can't carry out his plan, because he can't kneel, he can't bow, he can't get down to the ground to kiss and to repent, and because he is so overwhelmed by the Father's love. Third thing the Father does, listen, is he calls for a robe to be put on his son. Here's the words in Luke 15, 22. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Who owned the best robe in the family? The father did. The best robe belonged to the father. And the father and the son are still standing at the edge of the village. And the father wants the whole village, he wants the whole community to know that he has accepted his son back into the family. And so he sends his servant to get his own robe, the best robe, that he can put it on his son so that his wife walk back into the village instead of shame and instead of guilt. The crowd looks and they see that he has been accepted, he has been welcomed, he has been welcomed back into the family and he has been elevated. Everyone is going to see, everyone is going to know that this son that was lost is back. The fourth thing he does is he calls for a ring and sandals. Now the ring, listen, the ring, and this is so cool. The ring is most likely a, a signet ring. It's with the ring that the father would use to sign legal documents. signet ring and there was a doc, they would they would stamp those document with their ring it means that the son has now been entrusted and empowered as a member of the family he has the full rights of the father 
second-class son because he ran away. He's not a second-class son because he sinned. He's not a second-class son because he wasted the inheritance. He's not a second-class son. When he comes back, the father runs to him, welcomes him, and empowers him. just want the son to be reconciled to him, he wants the son to be reconciled to the community. He wants everyone to have restored relationship with his son. A story that none of those that Jesus told it to could have believed. It would have seemed impossible, but yet Jesus said when the son is found lost has been found what 
rejoice, to celebrate. They don't just hold it to themselves, but they share the joy because the love that they had for it is worth sharing. Do you see this morning what Jesus is saying? He's saying that things that are missing matter enough to warrant to be sought. is seeking and searching and running to him. Because of his compassion. Because of his love. is seeking and searching and running to rescue them. They may still be in the pit or in the hole like the sheep. They may be scattered somewhere in the house. They may be out in the pig pit.
invite you to stay here. I just invite you to stay here. Just let the Father give a... Let the Father embrace you.